0: Partway between a servant and a magical pet, in D&D 5e, a familiar shares a magical bond with their summoner and is often an integral part of their lives as they master the arcane arts. In 5th edition, a little animal companion seems simple, but can be deceptively deep in terms of its applications. Pick your favorite critter from the pet shop as we go through everything you need to know about how to wield them and maybe some other things you haven't thought of in today's episode. Before we begin, be sure to like and subscribe because we put out new content like this every week. But now, on to Familiars. Technically, every character has access to a familiar. It's just a heck of a lot easier for some classes than it is others. Fundamentally, it's all about the spell Find Familiar. If you want a little magic raven to call your own, you'll need to add this spell to your repertoire. Find Familiar is exclusively found on the wizard spell list, which means that by far the easiest way to gain a familiar is to simply be a wizard and pick Find Familiar as your first level spell. For everybody else, it'll take just a bit more work. The new book, Tasha's Cauldron of Everything, added optional features for all the classes, including the Wild Companion feature for druids. Wild Companion straight up grants you the Find Familiar 5e spell and lets you ignore the material components to boot. Simply being a druid is now one of the easiest and most efficient ways of gaining a friendly beast. Next, warlocks choose a pact at third level, one of which is the Pact of the Chain. More than simply giving you the spell, Pact of the Chain essentially gives you a super familiar that works a little bit differently. Finally, that leaves us with everyone else, who are stuck with the least efficient but still viable option of taking the magic initiate feat. This feat gives you access to two cantrips and a first-level spell from the spell list of your choice. And Find Familiar is conveniently a first-level wizard spell. The other good news is that it's a ritual spell, so if you are a ritual caster, you can also get one without having an available spell slot. This works even if you're a cleric, rogue, etc., etc. Yes, even the Barbarian can get a Familiar if they want. It really works with these totem folks, as it turns out. The spell Find Familiar takes an hour of magical work, ten gold pieces worth of magic incense, and a brass brazier to summon a spirit into a nearby unoccupied space that takes the physical form of an animal. The creature you summon is bonded to you in a few important ways, but is otherwise a fully-fledged creature at your service for an infinite duration. It obeys your commands, but it acts independently and has its own spot and initiative. We'll go into a familiar's uses in a bit, but for now, let's start with the utilities written into the spell. If the familiar drops to zero hit points, it disappears, drops any object that they're holding, and waits to be summoned again. Mechanically, this is practically the same as summoning a new familiar, but emotionally, you don't have to feel like you killed your fuzzy buddy whenever you get poofed. It's kind of like the Pokemon effect. It's important to note that most don't have more than one hit dice, so they're not really intended to be active combatants, per se. While the familiar is within 100 feet of you, you have a telepathic link to it. As an action, you can also use your familiar's senses and see and hear what they do, though you go blind and deaf while doing so. Kind of like a ward from Game of Thrones. As an action, you can make your familiar poof out of existence into their own little pocket dimension or back out of it into a space within 30 feet. It's also important to note that you can't have more than one familiar. Your familiar will last forever or until they get killed and temporarily poof away, and you can deliver touch spells through your familiar as if you were the one doing the touching. This uses the familiar's reaction. But also keep in mind, your familiar can't attack. Notably, the familiar summoned using the Warlock's Pact of Chain feature can attack, but more on that in just a second. Hey there, I found my familiar. So which creature should I pick? The short answer is that you should pick whichever creature best reflects your worldview. Beyond that, it's really a matter of picking between a few key attributes, statistics, special senses, and what animal form your party would benefit from the most. It's best to ignore the claws and other attacks, as that's not what they're best at anyway. Let's go over what all the basic options are, starting with the bat. Bats are one of the frontrunner options for their senses, especially if you plan on using your familiar for scouting. They have a flying speed, blind sight, echolocation, and keen hearing, which means they have advantage on perception checks that are hearing-based. There's also the cat. Cats miss out on flying speed, but have good bonuses to stealth and perception, along with a climbing speed of the non-flying, non-swimming familiars, they're one of the best options, but I'd only take it if that bonus to stealth is what you're looking for. There's also crabs. Crabs get a swimming speed, though a slow one, and are amphibious, which means they don't suffer the same pitfalls of other aquatic familiars. They also get blindsight, which makes them a decent scouting option if your campaign is going to have a big water adventuring element to it. One of the least effective ones is the frog, though I will say it has a lot of flavor to it. The stats are almost identical to the crabs, but you lose out on blind sight and get dark vision instead. You also get a largely useless jumping ability, but like I said, if you're getting a frog, you're not exactly getting it for its utility. There's the ever-popular hawk. With a fast-flying speed and advantage on sight-based perception checks, hawks are an all-around strong scouting option, though I still think they lose out to the owls. The Owls gain advantage on both sight and sound-based perception checks as well, and they have excellent dark vision and a fast flying speed. What locks them up as the top spot for me, though, is their flyby ability that lets them move out of enemy-threatened areas without provoking an attack of opportunity. This flyby ability pretty much makes them the single correct option if you plan on using your familiar to deliver touch spells or distract enemies using the help action. One of my favorite options is lizard, though you get dark vision and climb speed, they kind of lose out entirely to other better options. I just kind of like the flavor of having a lizard. A familiar that you can surprisingly acquire is the octopus. By far the best purely aquatic option, octopi are the perfect stealthy underwater scouts. They are strictly aquatic though, so you're limited to underwater campaigns or to whenever you come across water, I guess. And then there's the pretty fun but kind of useless poisonous snake. You get a swim speed but no water breathing and a short-range blind sight. The big draw, though, is the Venomous Bite, which is actually a decent damage source at literal levels 1 and 2 but will be largely irrelevant later. You can also get a Quipper. Technically, this has some applications for getting touch spells through in an aquatic campaign, but it should be a hard pass in every other scenario. There's also the rat. I personally love rats, but they're sadly outclassed by basically every other option here. You also get the raven, which has a fly speed, a decent bonus to perception, and a cool, if weak, mimicry ability that you may be able to trick some guards with. Worth considering if you're going for an illusionist or arcane trickster. Another aquatic creature, the seahorse. Very cute, but awful stats and almost laughably bad in every respect. This is something that I only see coming up in very niche aquatic campaigns. And then we have the spider. With a climb speed that works on ceilings, dark vision, and a big stealth bonus, I consider spiders to be the absolute best non-flying scout option. If you're more worried about scouting out the next dungeon room than the next leg of the woods, go with a spider. And then lastly, we have the weasel. The best stealth bonus of the bunch and faster than a rat, weasels aren't the best option by a long shot, but they're pretty decent and are a bit more unique than most of the other things on this list. I've yet to see any game masters who wouldn't allow you to flavor your raven as, say, a parakeet or your weasel as a squirrel, and if you're dead set on a particular magic pet, just pick the stat block that seems the closest and ask your DM for permission. I have literally never told a single player no to this kind of request, so, again, I don't see your DM doing that. Uh, just try to be reasonable. Warlocks who select the Pact of Chain gain the Find Familiar spell, but with several options for their familiar that are far stronger than normal critters, and their familiars can make attacks. All in all, we think Warlock familiars are pretty cool here at Skull Splitter Dice. Starting with the Imp, Imps have a fly speed, super dark vision, magic resistance, and the ability to turn invisible at will and the ability to polymorph into other, less fiendish forms when the situation calls for it. They also get a whole slew of devilish resistances, bonuses to a ton of skills, and a stinger attack that can deal a surprising amount of damage. I and many people tend to regard imps as the absolute strongest packed option, so as long as your party mates aren't concerned with having a devil tag along, you should go for it. Then we have the pseudo-dragon. A literal tiny dragon, they're statistically similar to imps, but lose out on a ton of resistances and skill bonuses and gain limited telepathy. I think of pseudo-dragons as a solid runner-up to be taken when the party has too many paladins for a devil friend to really make sense to the chemistry of the group. And then there's the quasit, Almost strictly worse than the imp as it loses on the flying speed, it shares the fiend in the party problem. If you have the option, pick the imp over the quasit, unless you are just really dying to have one for some reason. With the Sprite, the Invisibility combined with the poison shortbow shots make for a strangely combat-relevant familiar for ambushes. You get the invisibility, but miss out on the magic resistances and type resistances. Sprites are decent, but again, I would take the imp or the pseudo-dragon over them unless your character kind of calls for them in a flavor sense. Hidden away in the bestiaries and adventure paths, several creatures have been marked as variant familiar. Some folks look for the term familiar variant as well, and they're available at your DM's discretion. A lot of these are unique to the setting, but a few of them are downright stronger options that your DM may choose to provide you with as a reward. Or ban them, depending on who they are. Starting with Abyssal Chicken, which will definitely be the name of my D&D-themed fried chicken shop, the Abyssal Chicken familiar can be found in Baldur's Gate, Descent into Avernus. And these chickens are tiny, shrieking demons. They're chickens a little generous. Statistically, they have decent hit points and a bunch of demonic resistances and immunities. They also have blindsight and a bad chicken-ish flight ability. A funny option and also, surprisingly, a viable one. Almirage are definitely one of the weirder options, being a rabbit mixed with a unicorn, and they can be found in the Tomb of Annihilation adventure path. Almirage get a 50-foot land speed, which is the fastest non-flying familiar I've ever seen, and they have advantage on both sight and sound-based perception checks. Then there's one of my favorites, the Anvilrot Raptor. These are magical living metal birds unique to the Theros setting. They have a surprisingly tough AC, the ability to record sounds like a magical tape recorder, and you can use them to scout vast distances as the familiar telepathic bond to these robot birds extends to one mile instead of just 100 feet. I've seen this familiar used to great effect with artificers, and I always recommend it. Another thing found in the Tomb of Annihilation adventure path are flying monkeys, and they get a fly speed and a climb speed and pack tactics of all things, which makes them a very strong touch spell delivery system. Found in Volo's Guide to Monsters is the Gazer, which is basically just a tiny beholder, and they're an insane step up in power level from most familiar options. You do have to be at least third level to bond with one, but that's a small price to pay for those eye rays. If you can gain a Gazer familiar, take it. We think they go great with necromancers or sorcerers or anyone that wants to take a dip into wizard. It's one of the best familiars in Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition, definitively. Found in Storm King's Thunder is the Tressem, and they're literally cats with wings. Besides the fly speed, they also get permanent detect invisibility and poison sense, making Tressem work less as scouts and more as early warning alarms. Maybe my cat's a tressum He doesn't have wings, but He's a really great early alarm clock. I've seen a few players in my time completely dismiss or ignore Find Familiar, despite it being one of the most useful features a character can have if they know how to use it creatively. The benefits just aren't immediately apparent, so let's go over a few of those. Starting with one of the more obvious purposes, scouting. If you don't want to go into the next room quite yet, you can just send your magical cat in first and see if any traps go off. It may seem a bit cruel, but having the familiar check for danger risks 10 gold pieces and an hour to recast it, rather than a player character. Then you factor in your familiar's movement and senses, and you can fly your familiar up to get a bird's eye view. Use them to have quasi-dark vision by seeing through their eyes, or you can get a sense of the space around you with a tiny-sized creature that could fit through somewhere. You can also use them for touch spell delivery. Some very powerful spells use the range of touch, especially some great early spells like Shock and Grasp, Inflict Wounds, or Cure Light Wounds. Getting those touch spells in usually requires getting into the thick of combat, a place I'm sure many of you don't exactly want to be with your character build. If you use your familiar in combat like this, they'll likely get poofed by the first thing that attacks them, but that means that they wasted an attack on something other than you and your allies at the cost of 10 gold pieces. It's also usually not wise to use them against enemies using damage areas of effect. Your little familiar won't last long if fireballs are getting thrown around. So, again, you gotta think a little creatively. Familiars may not be able to attack, but they can perform the often forgotten help action. When a creature uses the help action, they have two options. The first mode grants advantage on another creature's next ability check. You literally help the other creature with whatever they're doing. And the second mode grants advantage on an ally's attack roll against a creature within five feet of you. You basically distract and mess with a target to give your friend a better shot. This is especially useful if you're an Eldritch Knight or some other mixed martial and magical class. Also, a side note for using your familiar this way specifically for rogues, a familiar counts as an ally for the purposes of sneak attack. And lastly, if you find yourself in a situation where the all-important magical MacGuffin slid across the floor in the middle of a fight, you can send your familiar to go snatch it. They can also administer items like healing potions, so your familiar can act as the emergency items dispenser while your friends are in a fight with the bad guys. Now let's get into the part of the video where I answer some of your burning questions, starting with, can I store stuff in my familiar's pocket dimension? The answer is no. When your familiar poofs back to their pocket dimension, they drop any object that they're holding. So you can't use your familiar like a fuzzy bag of holding. What is a familiar pocket dimension like? And going back to the Pokemon analogy, this is a bit like asking what the inside of a Pokeball is like. It just isn't touched much in the rules. That said, we do know that their pocket dimension is tailored to them. So it's likely comfortable for their spirit form to occupy. Am I allowed to pick any tiny monster out of the monster manual? Well, technically you could if your DM allowed it, but that rule is specifically meant for NPCs. Any tiny monster could serve as a familiar, but rules as written are limited to a certain list of creatures within the spell itself. I need to make a saving throw, so what does it use? Most lenient DMs will let you use your saving throw, but otherwise your little buddy might just go poof, depending on what you picked. This is one of those topics that can quickly devolve into choice paralysis for some. You have plenty of options here, but I'm sure some of you heard a familiar choice and immediately went, that. I want that. Some people pick a familiar based on role-playing reasons, some for mechanical benefit. I, however, just like snakes, lizards, and the idea of cats with wings. And if that's how you wanna pick your familiar, go right ahead. Thank you guys so much for watching. I really appreciate it. Be sure to like and subscribe because we put out new videos like this every week. And if you have a really cool familiar that you're proud of or have a story that basically was only made possible because of your familiar, definitely tell me about it down in the comments. My favorite memory of a familiar really altering a campaign is when a druid found out with her crab companion that, uh, basically, long story short, they figured out a secret within the island that they were on because the crabs told her familiar and she was able to tell the rest of the group. It was something I wasn't anticipating as a DM, and it just made the whole situation a lot more fun. Thanks again for watching. My name's Patrick Ferguson from Skull Splitter Dice, and until next time, farewell.